0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to thirty-six percent better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort. With thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a one-dollar a month trial period at Shopify.com/arsblog. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/arsblog now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/arsblog.
0: Va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Özil. Marca Mesut Özil. El segundo intento que volea, qué golazo con la pierna izquierda Mesut Özil. Que puede enamorar 1-0 tanto así. This is Arscast Extra.
1: Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from GunnerBlog. James, good evening
0: to you. It's Sunday evening. It's Sunday evening. Good evening indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's nice. I like the evening ones. You know, I feel like they're I'm more awake, for one, which helps. Yeah. And it, there's just something relaxing, you know. You can do it with a drink. Yes. I've got a drink. What have you got? I've got a glass of wine. So do I. Very civilised. Yeah. Really? Which
1: colour? It's red. It's from South Africa. Mm. And uh, it's It's delicious. So, yeah, here we are. We should, be, we should be nice and chilled out throughout this particular episode. So that's good. For everyone who's listening, thinking that it could get crazy and mental, it's probably not going to happen like that.
0: No, that's it. But it's nice to be chilled out. Unusual for Arsenal fans, really. We should embrace it while we can.
1: I think so. It's a good It's a good position. It's a good default position to be chilled out. I know they don't make it easy for us, but, you know, look, here we are. It's uh, coming up towards Christmas. We should be as chilled out as we can be, even if the team doesn't uh, make make it easy. But, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. You're here. I
0: don't have a puppy, but there you go. You don't, but you did. I mean, you know, you said it's a goodly evening. It's, it looks like it's been a, a very goodly day, it, judging by the, the picture of the puppy I saw on your Twitter account.
1: Oh, yeah. It's on, it's on my Instagram. Instagram, actually. If anyone wants to look, it's uh, on instagram.com forward slash blog. So look, we were in town doing a bit of Christmas shopping, as you do, just wandering around, soaking up the the rain. No, uh, a little bit of the Chris, Christmas atmosphere, but we had to do some shopping and do a few bits and pieces and uh, went for a pint in a bar that we go to on a regular basis. And we were sitting there having a pint and this guy came in and he had this amazingly gorgeous little four month old pit bull puppy called Chieftain. We discovered he was called Chieftain. And he was a really friendly little dog. He was going around just going up to people and wagging wagging his tail and then jumping up on the seats beside them and, and licking their faces. And you know, we had a go we had a squeeze. You know, when a when a puppy comes into a pub, it's one of the best things ever, right? Like there's not sure. much better than that.
0: Everything stops in the pub. All the attention immediately goes on the puppy. Pretty just much. as it should be.
1: Pretty much. So it was like that. So the guy had a drink. He was sitting beside us. The puppy was sort of scrambling around doing puppy things and we were having a rub and, and what have you. And the guy uh, then has his drink. Finishes up, leaves the pub, and we're going. Oh, goodbye, puppy! It's it's been so lovely to meet you. You you're such a great puppy. Dude leaves the pub. We're sitting there going, oh god, like you know, puppies are great. I'd love another puppy, and we you know we're talking about maybe getting another dog at some point in the new year. Oh god, puppies though, they're so great. They're just amazing. Yeah. So then the guy comes back into the pub, right, and hands us the the puppy, and he says, "Would you?" Would you mind him? I've just got to go and get a haircut, and there's a place right beside here. I just want to get a haircut. Would you? Would you look after him for a few minutes? And we were like, of course. Why wouldn't we want to like look after a little puppy for a few minutes? He's gorgeous. He said, "Yeah, this is this is amazing." So he leaves. Leaves us with the puppy and the guy who, who uh, is behind the bar comes over, he goes, oh, yeah, is he, what's going on? I said, oh, he's just gone to get a haircut. And uh, he says, oh, look, he's left his dog food behind as well. He'd left a bag of dog food on the seat beside us where we were sitting beside us. And we were like, oh, do you think maybe, uh, do you think he's he's gone? Like, do you think he's left and he's just decided that, we're nice people to leave a puppy with. Because I said to him, oh, yeah, we've got a dog, we've got a German Shepherd, and he's, you know, he's grey, etc., etc. Do you think maybe he's, like, gone?
0: He's absconded.
1: Yeah, he just was, like, looking for someone to take in his puppy. He couldn't he couldn't deal with the puppy anymore, and he had to find nice new owners for the puppy, and maybe we fit the bill. You know, it's a bit weird, isn't it, going to get a haircut at 25 past 5 on a Sunday. Is that, yeah. is, is that t- and he left the dog food behind as well? Is that so we could, like, have something to feed the dog? Oh. at that point
0: are you happy or sad
1: well yeah I'm mixed I'm in the middle I've sort of got a mix of emotions here one is that like oh this puppy I've got a puppy beside me and he's lovely and he, he started to fall asleep then he was so sweet and I was just rubbing him he was, his eyes were closed and he was just like little puppy paws and everything and his little puppy silky puppy ears and I was like yeah, but at the same time, I'm not sure I need a new puppy right now because you know I've got a lot going on. It's it's coming up to Christmas. There's a lot of work going on. Like my dad has been in hospital. He's coming out tomorrow, and like you know, there's a lot of going. There's a lot of stuff just going on. And then how do you bring a four month old pit bull back to your house and say, here, five year old German shepherd? You know, here's your new brother. Yeah. So there's I was a task of integration mm, to be done there. There is. So there was part of me that was going, oh, God. I, well, the big part of me was hoping that the guy would come back, right, and right. pick up his dog, and we would just have this beautiful moment, five minutes with the dog. That would be amazing. Or whatever it was. It was about 15, 20 minutes. And then I started to, we started to get really anxious, like the guy hadn't come back. So I was like, oh, right. Will I go up and just see, is he in the barbers? Okay, I went up, went up, and... Uh, had a look, and there was just one guy there, an old guy, getting his head shaved. I was like, oh, "No way!" Oh. And then I looked, I just looked a little bit closer, and the dude was up the top end of the barbershop, and he was just, you know, finishing off getting his hair cut. So I was like, phew, thank goodness for that. And then he came back in. So he was and, legit. Yeah, he was legit. He just, like, trusted two people to mind his puppy, and we minded his puppy, and he came back and picked it up, and it was a beautiful thing. And... The You know, it's the best thing. Like he gets to go home with his puppy. The puppy gets to go home with his owner. And I don't need a new puppy right at this moment in time. But there is part of me that's just a little bit sad. That I don't have a puppy. I understand right
0: now. that. Yeah, a puppy is for life. Ideally, not for this Christmas. Yes, that's, that's your policy on this. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. And he was such a little, lovely little dog as well. But uh, yeah, no, it was nice to have a little, a little uh, moment or a few minutes with a puppy, and then sort of hand him back, and you don't have any of the the responsibility. But there was yeah, there was a moment there where we were going, uh, "Are we morons?
0: Have we been suckered <laughs> by this guy?" <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess it's a bit like when we loaned. Kim Chalström, you know, we, we didn't have any responsibility, we just enjoyed him for a little period of time yeah. and sent him on his way.
1: <laughs> Poor old Kim Chalström, he's retired
0: now, he retired this week, it seems. I know, yeah. maybe that's why he's on my mind. He Apparently he spoke about his penalty against Wigan in the semi-final as the greatest 15 minutes of his life. Yeah, he did
1: this amazing radio essay, uh, I think, in Sweden for Swedish radio and uh, this dude on Reddit, he translated the whole thing, we have it on Blog News, people can go on. And look at it, just search for Kim Kalstrom on, on Arsblog News and you'll find this. And it's an amazing story about how much that penalty meant to him and how much it meant to just his career in terms of, you know, obviously the, the circumstances of his arrival at Arsenal were, they were strange, it's fair to of say. Mm.
0: Yeah, bizarre in the extreme, but you know, nice that, he, nice that he had that moment. Much like you had your your little moment in the pub today with uh, what was his name? Captain, Skipper, Chieftain, Chieftain, Chieftain.
1: Chieftain. Yeah, I was I was renaming him and everything. I had a new name for him. P. I was going to call him Arnold. I was going to bring him home and right. call him Arnold.
0: <laughs> you'd, you'd rebranded. I, the yeah, I'd gone I got
1: that far. I had it. it. Was like this is not ideal. This is a bad situation. I do not need a puppy, but also yes. I got a puppy, free puppy out of nowhere. This is amazing, but there you go. So that was my that was my uh, late afternoon, early evening. So um, so now I'm talking to you, and it's not. I'm not saying it's worse, James. I'm not saying it's any worse. This is the come down, you saying Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. So look, should we talk about Arsenal? I think we should.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, I mean, the puppy sounds probably more fun than the game. Is that fair to say? Uh, yes,
1: yes. The puppy was, you know, he was playing with a rope, and it was nonstop fun, and then he fell asleep, and then it was just rubbing the puppy, and then it wasn't 90 minutes of... Well, in fairness, it wasn't 90 minutes of, of badness or anything it was just like we're in a strange place at the moment aren't we in terms of how we play and and what we do and you know we score that goal after about 20 minutes 25 minutes of the the first half I was sitting there there was a point probably about 15 20 minutes in where I was going oh you know if I think an early goal would have been ideal for us because it would have lifted some of the nerves, you know, about not scoring, you know, we're heading towards that thing where we don't score until halftime and then you hope we come out and we do better in the second half and we don't get a goal. It's like 70 minutes and you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then we score that goal. And I thought we played some okay stuff actually in that first half. I thought we played pretty well. But gosh, the second half was just like... This is a team that is not
0: confident in any way about anything that it's doing, really, is it? That's it. It's a pretty amazing. I mean, you're probably listening to this on uh, Monday, the 18th of December. That marks one month since we confidently beat Tottenham 2-0, our local rivals. And we did it in such a controlled... I mean, confident is the only word, a confident fashion. And that confidence has, has evaporated. I mean, we looked like we were really walking into trouble in that second half. We were, And by the end, it felt like we were clinging on a little bit.
1: Yeah, it always seems to happen, doesn't it? You've got that one goal lead and then there's the nervousness that kicks in and, you know, nobody wants to make a mistake or overcommit going forward. But, you know, I think I can't remember who I saw say this on Twitter, that this team doesn't believe that it can defend well enough to just sit back and defend and stay organized. So they think they have to go for a second goal to make the game yeah. safe. And by doing so, they obviously make things a bit more, a bit more precarious. But look, let's start with the team selection. Arsene Wenger made one change from the team that drew with West Ham. And it was Alexandra Lacazette in for Olivier Giroud. Now, that wasn't a surprise to me. I thought Lacazette was going to start. In for Giroud is the obvious change. I didn't think he was going to change Alexis. I didn't think he was going to change Ozil. I thought he might do something with midfield. He didn't, but he also kept Ainsley Maitland-Niles at left back. Um, like, he did well again. He did well again. I'm just struggling to see what the thinking is here exactly. Um, yeah, both from it from the curious. point of view of like Maitland Niles and also the point of view of the squad in general. I mean, do we do we have to assume that Kalasinek has got some kind of in, injury, or or is it just well, form?
0: Yeah, I mean that's one thing to. That was one potential explanation, but even then, you know, you could always play Nacho Monreal at left back in the position where yeah. he's played for the vast majority of his career. You've got other centre halves available who could come in alongside Koscielny. Um so it feels very deliberate the inclusion of Maitland Niles. It was one of those things that when I saw it at West Ham, in fact, the whole lineup against West Ham felt a little bit like a midweek game where. Arsene had rotated and, you know, there there were some surprising selections for me. Mm. The fact that he sticks with the vast majority of it was even more of a surprise. And yeah, look, there's no doubt maitland niles did well in both games. Maybe there was a slight element of Arsenal thinking, well, look, I've brought a young guy in. I've given him his chance. He's taken it maybe I have to reward that to an extent and give him the start in the home game
1: yeah maybe so maybe so Um, yeah it could well be that but you know you've got to think that Maitland-Niles at left back can only be a temporary situation it can't be where he's going to play on a regular basis it can't be good for the team to have a player playing out of position on a regular basis as well, because as well as he's done, there's going to come a point where, you know, he hits some kind of a wall or a plateau in terms of his development. And that's difficult enough to deal with when you're playing in your normal position. But when you're playing out of position, and I know he's played left wing back for the vast majority of this season in terms of the Europa League and the Carabao Cup, but that's not where he belongs, really so it's it's hard to get your head around it it could well be just a case that he wanted to reward his good performance against west ham and i thought he was good again he was good again he had some uh, there was one run and shot in the first half which was which was really excellent but i just wonder if you upset the balance of the team too much by having players out of position you've got a, a right-footed player at left back uh, trying to dovetail with alexis sanchez which is difficult enough at the best of times for a specialist in that position and you you know, it was it was tough. I think for him to get involved uh, when he got further forward because Alexis is who he is. He's an individualist when it comes to what happens in the final third.
0: Yeah, I mean, Arsene spoke in very glowing terms about Maitland Niles before and after the game, and what he said afterwards was he said, well, Maitland-Arts is comfortable in three positions. He can play uh, right back or, well, more than three, right back or right wing back, central midfield or left back or left wing back. And he actually said of of those three areas of the pitch, the left-hand side is the one where he's the least comfortable. So I thought that was telling. He didn't speak about it as, yeah, I think he's found his role now and he's a left back from this point on. I think he is kind of a guy... Doing a job there, albeit a good one. Mm. But if you look back at the history of Arsenal's teams, he's never really been one who's gone for inverted fullbacks, like your yeah. right-footed yeah. left back. It's only been in emergencies. I remember William Gallas actually did it when he first joined for a few games, and we've seen Sanya play there like once or twice. But yeah. it's uh, it's not something he tends to do, and it's an interesting one—the Kalasnych one. The one uh, yeah. I mean, there hasn't been anything public about an injury. No, there hasn't. I
1: mean, do you think Do you think maybe it's a way of him putting uh, Maitland-Niles into the team in, in a Premier League environment? Because he's played Europa League and he's played Carabao Cup. And we know that the pressure and the expectation in terms of those games is very different when it comes to Premier League. Do you think it's a way of maybe putting him in there to see, OK, how does he cope? How is he going to really cope when he's asked to do a job at the very highest level, which the Premier League is? Now, granted, mm. the opposition, West Ham and Newcastle, are not the best that you will face, but it's perhaps a way of seeing how does he cope? Is he overawed? Can he play his normal game? You know, Will he, will he shrink in the spotlight? And I think the answer to that is no. And then mm. perhaps we might see a situation where he can use him in midfield where he belongs, where Maybe. he said he belongs. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's certainly on uh, He's certainly on uh, record, Arsene Wenger is saying that will be his best position in the future. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's one he's come to relatively recently. It's not like Maitland-Niles' whole development as a kid was as a central midfielder. He played uh, on the wings, you know, on loan to Ipswich. He played yeah. as a winger and he plays a fullback too. But Arsene's always talked about him as a holding midfield player and that's what he's been doing in the last year or so. I I think if, if it is a test of his character or his composure in those pressurized situation, I think he's really come through it really well. And, and on a day that was, you know, we got the three points, but there wasn't much to shout about in the broader performance. I thought he was really one of the big positives
1: yeah I agree I agree Uh goal was the other big positive of the day yeah uh, I mean just a brilliant brilliant strike it's an interesting goal when you look at it as well we have Wilshire bursting through from midfield playing it to a who who squares it into the box comes across to Alexis and you know what would have been easy for Alexis is to see his shot blocked and to stand there and see where the ball was going to end up. But he actually played a part in the goal itself because he contested the header. And I think that's mm-hmm. a slightly underlooked part of that goal. Like 95% of it, of course, is Ozil, the technique, the brilliance to be able to watch the ball, to, to I guess, estimate where it might come down. You look at the way he moves while the ball is in the air. He's, he's sort of predicting where it might land. Uh, and the technique to hit the ball back up over and into the net is just superb. But if that guy, if that defender has that header uncontested, he gets it further than uh, the ball travelled. you know? So Alexis played a part in contesting the header and making sure that the ball didn't go, you know, further away into a a safer area.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, he he did well to at least make a a contest of it and force the defender into what is... You know, a clearance, yes, but essentially a concession of possession. If, if Alexis doesn't do that, defender can nod it back to his keeper and might as well, you know, yeah. give the lack of pressure. But I was struck by something you mentioned there, which was the way in which Ozil anticipated where the ball would drop. I mean, it was absolutely uncanny. As he saw Alexis going for it, he kind of read, look, I don't think he's going to get there. I think the defender's going to be forced to make a header. And so... He kind of calculated it. It was like Neo in the Matrix or something. He anticipated <laughs> it. And, he, and he, he, a little bit of a footwork and he was in the right position because, you know, if he's sort of on the move trying to get to that ball when it's dropping, it's a very different thing. But being in the right place afforded him the time and the space to execute that volley as well as he did. The strike mm. was amazing, but there was, there was forethought to it that I thought, was pretty special.
1: Yeah, it was a superb goal. really was. Uh, and, and the kind of goal that deserves to win a game, of course, you would prefer that we might use that goal as a, a platform to score a couple more, but it just didn't happen, did it? There was, there were chances. I think the uh, the Lacazette chance where he was played through by a and decided to go for a chip to the far post. A very, very difficult skill. If you pull it off, it looks amazing. It looks brilliant. Yeah. But... You know, it's so, so difficult compared to the other option, which was for a striker of his quality, for a guy who hits the ball as cleanly as he does, is to just put your foot through it and hit it across goal and see what happens. And I think you've got a much, much better chance of scoring there. I think that was a decision he got really wrong.
0: Yeah, I thought in the first off, good moments, like Lacazette, there was some, a couple of nice touches on the edge of the box. I think that's something we're seeing more from him, you know, the ability to kind of play in neat one-twos. Um, not quite to the same extent that Giroud does it, but, you know, little touches off to the likes of Ursula and Sanchez. But I did think, and this is judging him by a high standard, because his finishing has been excellent, really, um, for the majority of the season. But I did think that maybe there wasn't quite the same... Uh, just I suppose level of composure or accuracy about him in the in the final third as there has been on other days I can think of that that chipped effort where I think he got the decision wrong there was another one where he produced a lovely bit of footwork and a spin yeah. and fizzed a shot but I, I don't I mean it was a decent enough effort but there were other options available to him at that time um, and maybe he just felt like having been left out in the week he was kind of determined to to make an impact, and for someone who's normally so ice, ice cold in those situations, maybe, maybe that played on his mind a little bit. I, I thought he was okay, but it was one of those games where, when he came off, I I understood it much more than I had done. <laughs> In certain other matches. Yeah,
1: I mean, I get that. I mean, I think on, uh, you know, on the basis of his performance overall, I don't think there was much to be unhappy about him coming off, even if there's, you know, there's part of me that wants to see what happens in the final 15, 20 minutes of games, particularly when we're playing a side like Newcastle, who had to try and come forward a bit to get something from the game. Yeah. They had to. And then, of course, you've got the ability to break, and he is that kind of a finisher. I'd like to see what he can do in those situations. But, yeah, look, in general, I don't think on the basis of his performance he was so great that uh, you, you could say uh, taking him off was was um, was wrong. But it just feels as well a bit like the f- the substitutions are prescribed. Like, let me put it to you like this. If you're taking Lacazette off, why don't you play Danny Welbeck? Why don't you put Welbeck on instead of Lacazette and play him up front, whereas Giroud for Lacazette is just like, it's boring now, and it just feels like, oh, this is what he wanted to do throughout, you know, even before he started the game. The plan is to give Lacazette 70 minutes and then put Giroud on, regardless of what's happening or the context of the game or anything else.
0: I know what you mean, and actually I think Danny Welbeck... Could really do with a little, a little bit of time at centre forward. He's being put out on that right wing, and he looks very short of confidence to me. He looks a long way from the player we saw at the start of the season when people were talking about, you know, having him in the side ahead of Alexis Sanchez, ahead of Meza Özil, um, and he had some excellent games. Right now, I think he looks a long way from that sort of form, and maybe, maybe playing through the middle might be what's required to spark a bit of life into him. Mm. Certainly, if you're going to take Lacazette off. Welbeck's a far more analogous player, isn't he, yeah. than Giroud? I mean, he doesn't force a complete change of style in the way that Giroud does. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not to be critical of Giroud because he's not the one making those
1: decisions, uh, nor is he the one... Well, I mean, obviously, he the way he plays affects the way that the the, uh, the team plays because it's a different kind of system. But,
0: yeah... Yeah, I, I, I really think that the January transfer window is a factor in this and that... I, you know, when you look at the treatment of Olivier Giroud and you look at the treatment of Walcott, I think you can infer certain things about maybe what Arsenal's strategy will be in terms of selling players in January because Giroud's been included more regularly, started his first Premier League game now that we're into December. He started making noise in the press about maybe thinking about a move, and I, I honestly think that will probably get him more minutes. Whereas to Theo, who didn't even Make the bench at the weekend. I think the message is well. He is quite injured. In
1: fairness, he he did talk about Walcott having a small groin strain. You know uh, how small? I don't quite know. He said he could be involved against against West Ham on on Tuesday night. But mm. yeah, it feels a bit like Walcott is just completely uh, marginalised by by the uh, the depth of the squad as Arsene Wenger sees it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you could be right. You could be right. I would just like to see. Lacazette uh, given a bit more time in the final stages of games because that is a, a time when you can take advantage of tiring defences. On the other hand, you know, having having uh, had that groin scare the other week, this is his first season in English football. It's also heading into a period where uh, there's a lot of football to play. There's a lot of games much more football to play than he would be used to at this time of year in France. Whether it's Arsene Wenger protecting him to a certain extent in terms of his physicality that he doesn't want him to pick up an injury. Uh, it could be that as well. But it could be all of those things. It could be all of those things where that also gives the manager a bit of a get out when it term- uh, when it comes to his team selections.
0: Yeah, it could be part of it as well. I mean, uh, Lacazette, there were reports, weren't there, that he was pretty frustrated when he came off. I, I didn't see it myself, but apparently on the television coverage, they said that he kind of threw his gloves and his jacket down in dramatic fashion. I mean, have you seen any confirmation of that anywhere? I saw people talk about it on Twitter, but he could be just pissed off that he
1: didn't score, you know, maybe not the substitution yeah. itself. It's, it's too easy to have a, a narrative and fit the events to it, you know? Um, maybe he is pissed off. I, I would be surprised if he wasn't pissed off at being taken off all the time. Like I would be, I would be unhappy with Lacazette if he was happy being substituted. So I don't really see it as a big issue, though. I mean, the answer to that is score some goals, score goals, and you won't get taken off. You know, um, yeah, that's the reality of that situation where you will be judged on on your performances. A day when. You know, you, you fluff a couple of good chances and you get taken off is not a day where I think you can complain about being taken off. If you've scored and if the team needs a goal and you've been taken off and you're the club record signing and a, a top striker, then you're being taken off. Yeah, fair enough. I get it. But uh, I'm not sure that was really uh, applicable on, on Saturday. So as the game went on, I, you know, Giroud came on and I know he set up a chance for Jack Wilshire. Welbeck came on, didn't do uh, a great deal to be honest he, he's mm. uh, he's finding it very hard to make any kind of impact being shunted out on on the right hand side and then we got a bit nervous didn't we? We got nervous towards the end of the game there were moments when Newcastle looked dangerous and threatening where we kind of switched off a bit defensively we weren't quite as sharp as we should have been and they did have a couple of chances Petr had to make a save or two and uh, there was one I think, uh, there was a header that went wide late on where the guy, yeah. if he got it on target, there was no way Czech was getting anywhere near it.
0: No, I mean, he'd really given up the ghost there, check. I mean, he, he, he would have had absolutely no chance, and it flew just wide. And it was nervy. It was nervy at the Emirates. And to be honest, actually, I was surprised. Quite a lot of fans uh, had left the stadium by the full-time whistle. And I was thinking, I mean, <laughs> it's not a game I would have left with any certainty of the final score. Um, maybe they were feeling a bit nervous about it, because it was it was, yeah, it was tense. I mean... Without wishing to scapegoat, I did feel like in that period there were some really needless concessions of possession, particularly from Granite Shaka. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's so bizarre. I mean, the guy's such an adept passer of the ball at times. I was thinking earlier in the game, he played one pass and I thought it's rare you see a player who passes the ball with kind of every part of their foot. Like he can, it's he's like a golf player almost and he can use that left foot like a like as an assortment of different clubs mm. to, to, you know, get the right trajectory. He can make the ball like stop on a dime. He can do so much stuff that is incredibly impressive. But there are times where I don't know if it's focus or decision making. It just feels like his head goes a little yeah, bit yeah right? he, he, sometimes he doesn't see what's going on mm. like he makes passes across
1: field without having full view of what's there the, they, they get intercepted quite a bit don't they so it's like yeah. people are, are reading what he's going to do maybe he's easy to read as a footballer you know, the minute he shapes his body, the, the, the opposition players know what he's going to do. But there, there was, there's an element of carelessness and sloppiness to it as well. Mm. It's not just mm. that where you can see that he doesn't quite have the, the full concentration, the full focus. He's, he knows what he wants to do, but he doesn't know what the consequences of, do, of what doing that are in, in, in that context. And there was one late on, I think, where the ball came across him and he played it first time, looking to move it out right, move it out quickly, thinking that, that it would be all open and the guy intercepted, I think he had to make a foul and take a yellow card, which is fine. I'm all right with that. But, you know, he does look like he's struggling. I don't think he's quite as bad as people are saying, but those concessions of possession at that stage of the game can be really costly.
0: Yeah, I think what it is is that, you know, rightly or wrongly, people are still categorizing him as a kind of holding midfield player. And historically in Arsenal teams, that the most successful Arsenal teams, at any rate, that has been the guy who you can almost rely on most for sort of game management. Mm. If you think about someone like Gilberto Silva, like he wasn't necessarily the most technically gifted football you've ever seen. He couldn't pass the ball in quite the way Shaka does, but his tactical intelligence was second to none. He had an intuitive understanding of the strategic element of the game. Uh, and with Shaka, you kind of you would almost sacrifice some of that technique for just a little bit more. Of that game management ability, um, because that's an, an area of the field where that is so so important. And I do think that, you know, there are times when Shakran Ramsey has worked. But I still think that if you're really going to see the best of him, then when you look at so that central midfield area, and if potentially you look at three, there there is maybe a different kind of player, whether it's Maitland Niles or somebody else. Mm. Who would who would allow him to to function a little bit better than, yeah. than he does right now?
1: It doesn't feel balanced to me that midfield three. You know, when you look at what when you look at how we played on on Saturday, uh, particularly at the start of the game, with yeah. Mesut Ozil sitting probably the deepest. Yeah, what
0: did you make of that? It's I the thought it was I've ever seen him play for.
1: Yeah, I thought. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously he is a guy who creates. He's got the the vision and the creativity and the ability to pick a pass in the final third. And I don't really understand what he was being asked to do by playing as deep as he did. I think there was one of those uh, graphics, you know, the the average pass graphics where he and Wilshire were more or less in the same position uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. the average pass and sort of generally speaking at the tip of if you imagine a midfield triangle that's kind of where the two of them were where they Mm. ended up or where they ended up playing most of their passes from but yeah very early on he was sitting really really deep and I didn't quite understand what was happening there and I didn't understand what he was being asked to do Um, and I don't think that that three uh, works together on a uh, as well as it should. I just don't think the three left-footed players are as balanced as they could be because I, f- I feel like we don't have the passing angles that we should. You need a right-footed player in there. And I know somebody would say, well, if you have three right-footed players in central midfield, nobody will be talking about it. I get that. But when you look at the three left-footed players we have, Ozil, Xhaka, and Jack Wilshere are three really, really left-footed players. I mean they don't kick the ball with the right foot especially Shakira. Yeah, they rarely touch the ball with their right foot. It's for standing yeah. on. So all of a sudden you've got you've got a you've got one side of the pitch kind of closed off or if you're going to that side of the pitch you've got to you've got to shift and you've got to make a turn. You've got to position your body in a way that's not necessarily natural. So I think the balance is wrong there, which is why I thought it might be an interesting idea to play Maitland-Niles in that midfield position. If that's what, you, you know, if you're going to play that three, and if you want to give Maitland-Niles some game time, you know, we've seen what Coquelin can do. We've seen what Nenny can do. That's fine. Arsene Winger doesn't seem that convinced by it at Premier League level. He's happy to play them in the Carabao Cup and the, the, uh, the Europa League, but at Premier League level it's clear that he does not want to use those two players if he can help it, right They're not they're not in the mm-hmm. team. So if you're gonna if you're gonna try and balance your midfield, maybe maybe do it that way. you know I, I don't know what was going on uh, or what the thinking was. I, I'm not sure it works as well as it should. and I think that contributed in general to a game where we didn't get on top as much as we should have.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about the pass map and you're right that, you know, Ozil did push on and play more advanced, certainly than Shaka. but I think often the best way to look at how the team have been told to set up is what they do, you know, what they do when the ball goes out of play, when there's a goal kick, when they return to their starting roles. And Ozil was sometimes taking the ball right off the back four, like really, really deep in his own heart.
1: Almost like Cazorla um, used to um, when well, Cazorla
0: was playing in that central midfield role. Yeah, well, I mean, is that the logic? Is that what was going on? Because was Arsene thinking, I need to find somebody who can give us that technical security at at that end of the pitch?
1: Maybe, I don't know. But he ended up playing sort of further forward as the game went on. The last
0: 20 minutes, yeah, they they sort of switched. And the other thing is, is this more about Jack Wilshere than it is about Mesut Ozil? I mean, is it just the question that for the vast majority of the game, Arsene felt more comfortable with Wilshere playing in a number 10 and away from that part of the field than, than he did with Ozil but it was odd how they did switch later on I almost felt mm. like that was maybe a question of Jack's legs not quite being there you know whereas Ozil he gives you a constant threat on the break because his stamina is so good mm,
1: to be fair to Wilshire, he did you know he's done 90 minutes twice in three or four days and, and yeah. he looked okay and physically he was alright I mean I don't think you know, the performances against West Ham and Newcastle have been absolutely fine. Nothing to write home about. But, you know, if it's about finding out whether he's got the legs or the stamina to do it in the Premier League, I think we've got, you know, some kind of an answer to that question. How long you can ask him to do it for without putting him in danger of injury, I don't quite know. But I think he's answered a couple of questions in terms of his physical capabilities. And that's, that's got to be one of the key issues when it comes to his contract.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very fair. I mean, I think I would never have anticipated, to be honest, at any point this season that he'd play 290 minutes in the space of three three days. And I was almost actually pretty surprised when the final substitute went off and it was Alexis Sanchez, wasn't it? Rather than Jack Wilshere. Mm. Um it was the 89th minute or so but I thought, you know, surely they're going to give Wilshire a break. But no, I think he's he's done okay in that respect. He, he wasn't he wasn't fantastic against Newcastle, but in the first half he had a few a few decent moments.
1: Mm, but look, three points is what we needed. We needed to get three points. We, we needed, needed it. Badly. To, yeah, we did. We got it. We got there in the end another clean sheet. That's 10 clean sheets for Petr Cech so far this season. So while our defending and defensive record has not been great, that's a reasonable record. I do think actually Check is one of the Not that he's underrated or underappreciated, but I just think his contribution uh, has been perhaps overlooked because we've been unhappy with a lot of stuff that's been going on. He has been making good saves. He's been dominating his area. He's been coming out and sweeping. I don't think you can really put too many of the goals that we've conceded down to him at all. They've been defensive issues. So I think that in some ways is a is a positive. We've obviously got a game tomorrow night in the Carabao Cup or on Tuesday night in the Carabao Cup. Team selection there will be interesting. Maitland Niles is a guy who you would expect to play in that game.
0: Mm-hmm whether well, he plays ordinarily. or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it depends if he's counted as a first-team player. I would say, given that we played Saturday and that we play Friday, of course, against Liverpool, mm. I, I think I'd be very surprised if any of the players who will start against Liverpool were involved uh, on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a so, big, big rotation, isn't it? But with two clean sheets behind Maitland-Niles in the back four, I don't know maybe Arsene Wenger will stick with him I think it would be be very brave to play
1: him at left back against Liverpool
0: it's a very hell of a brave. test that Liverpool attack isn't it I it mean, really is look, look who their right winger is Mohamed Salah <laughs> probably the informed player in yeah. the country I mean is, is it even fair to pick him there you know to thrust
1: him into that kind of a situation where he's having to deal with probably the best player in the Premier League so far this season and playing out of position. And he's got youthful enthusiasm and exuberance and physicality and speed and all that. But, you know, it's
0: it's sometimes well, easy. It is, what are, um, on. Is there a kind of crazy theory... That Arsene Menger has looked ahead before the, on the before the West Ham game. He's looked at Mo Salah and thought, "This is a guy who is incredibly quick, who plays from the right hand side, whose tendency is to cut into into his left every single time." I've got a young guy right footed can play left back incredibly quick <laughs> yeah. if I can give him two games nah. he could be the perfect Salah <laughs> No, I, lo- I love the way I love that your mind
1: went there but the idea that this was some part of long uh, long term thinking or strategic thinking on Arsene Wenger's part I think is fanciful to be honest um,
0: <laughs> yeah but, but then, it, then how do you cope with him I mean well that's it I know it's sort of a subject for another day but I mean you know we've seen Monreal given a tough time well, by some quick wingers well yeah but what if you play an actual
1: back four with a left back. You can keep Monreal. You can put Kolasinac in there. And... You know where do you get your cover from? You get your defensive cover when you're playing with a back four from the deep-lying midfielder, right? So that could be if you're mm-hmm. playing whether it's a midfield two or, or even just one guy who's sitting. But that that midfielder could be the guy who tucks in and provides defensive cover and stability. So Maitland-Niles, in that sense, all those qualities you talked about, his, his uh, pace, his recovery yeah. uh, uh, runs, as Arsene Wenger talked about, his physicality, maybe he's the guy who could come in and do a job in, in that sense, um, You know, is is Maitland-Niles going to get bumped off the ball by Hazard, the way that Coquelin was, for example? I don't know. But, you know, that could be one way of coping what, with what Salah has to offer. I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, he's obviously got a big decision to make. I just think that playing a, a kid there, and he is a kid, and he's coming into the team, and he's, he's sensing that he's got a chance, and he's performed really well. But, you know, we've seen young players come into the team and do well for two or three games, and in an unnatural position, but after a while, you start to get found out, you start to get exposed, it becomes more difficult, and I do wonder if that will be on the manager's
0: mind. Maybe, maybe just get our quickest player. Play Theo Walcott left back and tell him <laughs> stay with Salah. <laughs> but yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, it, that's why he's, that's what he's, he's, what well he's been saving
1: his... him. Yeah, he's, he's been, been saving him for that. <laughs> he's been well known for his defensive uh, concentration, Theo, of course. So. <laughs> um so what do you expect to see against West Ham then? All change? Yeah, all change. All change. I would be very surprised to see anybody who played against uh who did we just play? Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, sorry. Um, I would be very surprised. I think it's going to be a young bench as well. I think we'll see, you know, the likes of Enketia, Ben Chief, uh, Josh De Silva. These guys, I think, will be the bench. So whoever he puts out against West Ham, if we're talking about starting, I mean, I think, you know, there's a case for starting Danny Welbeck, case for starting Giroud. Cokalani, El Nani, Reese Nelson, Debushi, Holding, Chambers, Murta Sacker. Depends what formation he's going to play. What sort of a, you know is he going to play a back four against uh, West uh, West Ham on Tuesday as well? It feels to me like he's gone back to the back four. Mm. I think this is it now, but you know we'll we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, all change, and then we'll see what happens there. And then of course Friday is a much different kettle of fish. You know they're they're obviously. Scoring goals for fun, and it's uh, it's a frightening proposition at the moment um, because we're not. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> well, look will we take a uh, will we take a break here? Let's do that. Do you remember last week where you did a, a really long like? when you went? Yes, I do. The, yeah, you that that? yeah, you remember that? Yeah, remember that. I made I made a grime remix of it, so I'll play that, and then we'll come back in part two with your questions right after this. <laughs> you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com
0: slash host.
1: It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash blog all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash blog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash blog Welcome back to the Arscast Cast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter, at Gunnar Blog and at Arsblog, Blog, and uh, also on the Arsblog Blog Facebook page. Uh, which is facebook.com forward slash the arse blog James your rabies free which is good this is good um, something's <laughs> happening uh, what is happening here uh my phone is ringing uh, No, I'm not gonna answer it I okay. Can't
0: do it. That's fine. Uh, it's, it, it could be about my rabies jab. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We we did we did it
1: wrong. <laughs> We've given him rabies. Yeah. Um, um just, just so people know, I suppose we should prepare them. You're not going to be here at all in January. You're going to be gone. That's it. Gone. The transfer window. Exactly. For the entire old oh, like, you Sneaky fucker, you sneaky <laughs> bastard. You're gone for the whole transfer window.
0: Yeah. No. So I, yeah. Uh, I'm away in Sri Lanka and in India. But the I mean, I've I'm having to be immunized against a bunch of stuff at the moment because, let's face it, if anyone is going to catch something, it's going to be me, right? For sure. You're going to catch everything, I think. I think, yeah. There's only so much that these jabs can do. I mean, I'll still, I don't know, fall off a cliff or something.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do they have many cliffs in India and Sri Lanka? I mean, they probably do.
0: I don't know. I don't They've know. got mountains. They probably have cliffs on. I'll yeah. find a way to hurt myself. You don't do. worry Yeah, about you
1: it. will. You will. You will. But just so people know, the Cast Extra will be continuing just with a different guest presenter every week until James gets back, um, you know, whenever he's sort of uh, medivac back to uh, to the UK. <laughs> Probably after about a week, I should think. <laughs> all I can think of now is that episode of The Simpsons where Homer tries to jump the gorge on his um, <laughs> skateboard and thinks he's going to make it and then gets, you know, bumped all the way down and they take him up in the uh, the stretcher and then they drop the stretcher all the way down he gets even worse. But yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen it- to you.
0: Hopefully, but it feels very, very, very plausible indeed. I'm going to start
1: with the questions, all right? Oh, go on. This one comes from Ross Cowan, who's on Facebook. And he says, If the Ox plays against us on Friday, do you think the crowd will be giving him abuse? And if he scores, should he celebrate? Personally, I celebrate when I score against my seven-year-old son, even though it reduces him to tears. So I don't see the problem. Also, he did try when he played for us, but it just didn't work out. And he could have had more money if he went to Chelsea, but chose Liverpool uh, to play midfield instead of winger. So I think we should show respect. What do you think about that from Ross Cowan? He
0: celebrates against his seven-year-old son.
1: Yeah, it it reduces his child to tears. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's good parenting.
0: I don't have children, so I don't know. Well then, yeah, yeah. you're in no position to judge. Yeah, I can't judge. Okay, fair enough. Um, maybe your son's a Spurs fan. We don't know. In well, case, it's, you know, it's you've know you
1: got to teach them the harsh lessons of life, James. They have you know, to we learn touched to on this. Exactly. You have to learn yeah. that not everything is going to work out for you and that sometimes Good your point. dad is a prick.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Ross, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm sure the seven-year-old doesn't listen, so it's fine. He'll never know. He'll find out in due course. Um, so, uh, I well, the thing is, my instinct says that he might be booed because I feel like in modern football, everyone gets booed. I feel like, you know, you leave the club, you get booed. Is that fair? Yeah, that seems to be what happens. Um, yeah, and I
1: think, I mean, do you think what kind of happened towards the end of the transfer window and like his, look, he was shite at Anfield, like absolutely shite. There's no yeah. question that he was rubbish, but that really didn't set him apart from any of the other Arsenal players on that day.
0: No, but I, th- I guess it was unfortunate in the context, right? The fact that he, within about 48 hours of that, turned down and moved to Chelsea to join Liverpool. Who's? I mean, who's? Who do we put at fault here,
1: though? Oh, like the manager, beyond yeah, any doubt. You know, it. You know, it's a it's a difficult situation to be in, isn't it? That you know, for for a player. He probably knew fine well that he was going to be joining Liverpool. He knew he yeah, was going to join Liverpool before the end of the window. And then mm-hmm. he's being asked to play against them. And yeah, look, I think, you know, whatever happened that day at Anfield, you can point fingers at players all you like, but it was down to how we were being managed that that situation was was as um, tempestuous as it was, I think.
0: I don't think he's particularly deserving of booing. I mean, no. he seems like a nice enough guy. He yeah. did. I don't think anyone ever accused him of not working hard in his time at Arsenal, not trying. Um, yeah, he, you know, it just didn't quite click. And I think, yeah, he, he didn't go to Chelsea, which is something, you know, <laughs> those guys never get a good reception. So I, I, I think he probably deserves, you know, a smattering of polite applause, but I don't think that's what will happen. Mm-hmm. He won't get any polite applause. He will
1: be—he will be the pantomime villain. And on yeah. a Friday night, when people are coming from work, they've had a few pints and a few beers, going to the game. I don't see any problem with that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't really have any ill will whatsoever towards Alex Huxley Chamberlain. I think he tried his best when he played for us. His best wasn't good enough um, more often than not. You know, he had some nice moments, but he was just a guy who never really reach the potential that we thought he might have and if he reaches it at Liverpool well fine but you know I don't see him as some kind of hate figure he was uh, he was a good guy he was popular around the club he did what he had to do he was you know he was always involved in the, the social media video bants that they had and he was quite good at all that and he seems like a nice kid really so he will get booed. He will be the pantomime villain. Does he deserve it? No, but you know it is what it is, and I don't oh, think football. I don't I mean, think anybody should get their knickers in a twist about it, one way or the other.
0: No, and I think by the same token, I think he's perfectly entitled to celebrate. Yeah, if he does score. Oh know? yeah, I mean, no, I think that's
1: fine. I'm happy. I'm happy enough with that. I don't really, I don't really have a. Uh, it wouldn't offend me if a player who used to play for us scored against us and then celebrated. There were a couple where I thought, ah, that's all right. I think when Eduardo uh, scored against us, he didn't celebrate. And everyone went, oh, Eduardo. But it was like the consolation goal in a (laughs) 5-1 defeat for his team. So he wasn't going to start running around. Um, But, you know, I think that would have been okay just because of the context of his Arsenal career. But if the club decides that you're expendable and they'll take 40 million pounds for you, then why shouldn't you? You know, you can still celebrate and still have respect for for a club and the fans and and the staff and everything else. People just get far too offended by things like this. They take it very mm-hmm. personally. They say, oh, what an absolute cunt! You know, well, what's he? Well, he just scored a goal. Scoring a goal is great. And when you're Oxley Chamberlain, you don't score that often. So you know,
0: why not? He's going to score <laughs> now, isn't he? Definitely. I mean, <laughs> I imagine everyone on that Liverpool team will score at some point in that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, uh, look, I think he, you know, he's entitled to celebrate. I don't think he deserves booing, but I think we're entitled to boo. That is part of the pantomime of football, isn't it? And that's part mm. of what makes it entertaining. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, so nothing to get too upset about there. Right, this question. Uh, we might have had this question before, but it's a fun one, so I'm going to do it anyway. Beardy McBeardface, who's at oh. Bearded Hannon. Right. On Twitter. Yep. Um, does he have BD a beard. Asks, does he have a beard? I mean Let's have a look at the picture. Need to see the avatar. Uh he does have a beard. That's good. He's got a beard. I mean But actually is- in in his picture he's also wearing a cap and sunglasses. So I would say about 80% of all available face space is beard. Okay. Oh, I'm looking at it
1: now. It is, yeah, it's quite a it's quite a beard. It's it's beardy beard
0: face, yes. Username checks out. It's weird that that would be his real name, and he would also grow up to have such a lovely beard. Incredible coincidence. um, Non-determinism, yes. At play, yes. He says, following Özil's attempt at the weekend, what is your favourite Arsenal volley? That's a good question. Oh, I know the answer.
1: I know the answer. Do you? Yeah. Straight away. Yeah. You say, you sound sad,
0: which makes I me think it's sad. going to be a
1: Robin Van Persie yeah. goal or something. It's going to be Robin Van Persie against uh, Charlton. Was it Charlton? Charlton? It was Charlton flying through the air.
0: We scored some great goals at that ground looking back. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just, a, uh, just an amazing goal. Um, I'm trying to think of other Arsenal volleys that there was well, one... <sighs>
0: Match of Flamini against Spurs, yeah. where that ball dropped out of the sky, mm-hmm. he buried it from long range. Uh, there was a couple of Lucas Podolski ones that were brilliant. Uh, you Kieran know, Gibbs, the, the I big... think,
1: scored one. A couple of those G- where Giroud like
0: does the dinky thing over the top. Yeah, they're similar goals actually. That was Swansea, I think, that scored, uh, that Gibbs scored that against. Uh, um,
1: Aaron Ramsey against Norwich. Mm, a couple of yes. seasons back. And it's not dissimilar from the um, from the Mesut Ozil one in the sense that the the cross comes over and he's moving backwards as he volleys it, then back across goal into the, into the top corner. corner. That was a great goal as well. I'm just trying to yeah. think of some others. I mean,
0: there must be loads that I can't remember, but... Um... Those are some pretty good ones. That what Van Persie one against Charlton's a pretty unique goal, isn't it? I mean, oh. I can't think of two. Oh, yeah. Oh. Cool. there was a Van Persie one against Everton I'm sorry
1: sorry for all this Van Persie talk <laughs> ladies and gentlemen he I was do apologise the but there yeah. was a Van Persie one against Everton where uh, Song played a pass over the top I think it was a 1-0 win however uh, remember Eduardo we just talked about it. remember his goal against Burnley he scored an mm-hmm. amazing goal against Burnley in the the, the in one off the Africa heel cup. almost yeah the one off the heel um Does Thierry Henry's goal against Manchester United count as a volley, even if he clipped the ball up to himself? I'm not sure it does, does
0: it? I think it probably technically does, but it's not quite the same thing, is it? I mean, in that category, you've got uh, Adebayor at White Hart Lane. Yes, Uh, that was well, that was a cross hit.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, but I think the van, I think the van, oh. Think about this one. Was it his first goal for Arsenal? Probably not his first goal, but I remember Alexis Sanchez scoring uh, a really great volley against Manchester City. Do you remember that really weird game a couple of seasons ago? I think it was his first season, and he scored a volley, and we were winning 2-1, I think, um, until quite late on, and they equalised, and then they had about four chances in the last five minutes to score a winner it was one of those goals where when you concede so late you're always disappointed not to win but because of what happened in the game you were like I'm quite relieved we didn't lose Um, Ah. But Alexis scored a great volley, one of his first goals
0: for Arsenal, a kind of side-footed volley. Oh, yes, I do remember it now. Yeah, Yeah. that that really got away from me. I think it's an Aaron Ramsey clip ball. I've got it playing now on the video. Oh, really? It's headed back into the box by Wilshire. Right. And it drops in it. Yeah, he dispatches it brilliantly, a volley into the far top corner. Side of the foot almost. Mm. Really nice goal. Yeah. Um, And there's probably loads more. There's
1: probably loads more where, you know, because... Stuff happened before we got countless replays and replays and replays and videos and YouTubes yeah, and finds and gifts. There's there's millions more, obviously, that people will remind us of on Twitter, I'm sure, and say, how could you have forgotten that one? How could you forget that one? But yeah,
0: those are I the ones that memory. spring to mind. Yeah. I love a volley. I love a volley. There's something about it, isn't there? I mm. mean, I just think, uh, yeah, they always feel pretty emphatic. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that. But, I mean, yesterday it was right up there. I mean, it was just an astonishing piece mm. of skill. All
1: right. Here is a question from a couple of people have sent this one in. At Rosser gooner who's at Rosser underscore Gunner, who says, given his dreaminess and perfect hair, and now that he's learning under Pep and former Arsenal player, would you take a punt on Arteta to replace Wenger? And the uh, same question comes from Rob Ashdown who says, could you see Arteta taking the helm at Arsenal one day?
0: I think one day is definitely, you know, something to talk about because he, you know, he had a real affinity for the club. For someone who arrived here relatively late, I think maybe the fact that he, it took him quite a long time to get back to that level mm. after leaving Barcelona, you know, went via Rangers and Everton. I think he loved it. And I think he really appreciated the the opportunity to play for a club like Arsenal. And I think he did so with distinction, Um, certainly while he was fit, anyway. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I'd love to see it. I don't really think it's particularly realistic to put someone in to to replace Aston Mega as their first job in management. But I can see the argument, the counter argument of, well, kind of why not? You might as well give it a whirl, something, a a fresh approach. I think if you were going to do that, you'd have to assemble a hell of a team around him. But um, what, like a so former
1: yeah. Barcelona director of football and mm. a Borussia Dortmund
0: mm. chief scout, that kind of a team? Something, yeah, and maybe put his his mate and vice captain in as head of the academy. And, yeah, you I know, if you'd have to make a few a few big calls, but <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you think? It wouldn't surprise me at all,
1: because really? yeah, because when you look at when you look at you know, think about three or four years ago. If you were to say Arsene Wenger is going to retire, who are the candidates that could take over? And you had Klopp, you had Conte, you had Guardiola, um, Mourinho, obviously not. Um, But there there were quite a number of coaches throughout Europe, Ancelotti maybe. There were coaches throughout Europe that you thought, okay, these guys have the... The ability to replace Wenger in terms of their quality as managers and coaches and, and I think yeah. Klopp and Guardiola were the two guys I really thought would be good for Arsenal because of the way that they manage because of the profile of the club I thought those were mm-hmm. the two guys I mean I think um, I really would have loved to have seen Arsenal under Pep Guardiola would have loved it I think he was you know he is yeah. probably the best coach in the world uh, he is a bit mad, he's a bit mental, but I think that's part of um, part of who he is and how he does what he does. I think he could have he could have got a lot out of some of the players that we have. but you know that's water under the bridge, it's not going to happen at this point in city, you know, we can see what he's doing there. He's doing amazing work. But I would have loved to have seen him at Arsenal. And now when I look across Europe, it's hard to see who the obvious candidates are, right? There's yeah, nobody really banging down the door. There's nobody out there where you can say, oh, I want that guy. There was uh, Thomas Tuchel, obviously a, a Dormond, who was, who was doing some good work, but ultimately didn't work out for him there. And you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's not that guy. Um, mm. And I think that the board will look around and decide, unless they can identify somebody, who is working somewhere else at this moment in time. I know they were talking about, there was some links with the guy from Leipzig. Um, What's his name? Hassan, Hassan, whatever his name is. Hang on. I'm going to have to look it up. (laughs) Uh, There there was some talk about him, Um, but I, you know, I, I I just don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Hassanhutl. I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. Ralph Hassanhutl.
0: Ah, Ralph Huttl, yeah. Yes. So,
1: but, you know, it, it strikes me that... In the English
0: and German press.
1: Yeah, when, when it comes to what we're going to do, the idea of bringing somebody in who knows the club, who knows what it needs to do after Wenger, having been there under Wenger, is not a bad one. And I also think that maybe Gazidis will, rather than go out and say, right, this is... A established manager or B established manager or C established manager that's what anybody could do any chief executive could go and get that guy that guy or that guy and bring them in i have a feeling that Gazidis will want to like absolutely shake off the chains of Wenger and say look what i can do look at how adventurous and ambitious I am and look at look at the ideas I have for this football club. It's a young guy, he's forward thinking, he's played under Wenger, he's worked under Pep Guardiola, who's the best coach in the world at this moment in time. You know, and, and those are good qualities to have in a in a coach, perhaps, in a in a guy who's gonna come in. That's good experience. I think that I don't think that that is um, as distant a possibility as you do.
0: Well, I'd be look. I'd be interested to see it. I mean, if we're not going to get Guardiola, so getting a guy who's worked under him, uh, there is yeah. some merit to that. Yeah, um, and it is someone who understands the club and someone who I think would be prepared and would accept working in that kind of modern structure that we're setting up. It's. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But. Mm. Uh, his his name will be mentioned as one of the candidates. I'm sure. Mm. I'm sure of that
1: he's a smart guy. Um, he's a very clever guy. Arteta thinks about the game a lot. I think that's something that Wenger said uh, a few times actually before he was retiring in his final season. He was talking about Arteta and the way that he thinks about football and and how focused he is and dedicated he is. And look, you know, you think about the experience that he's had in his career. You know, he grew up at Barcelona. In that, in that academy and in that system and to, to learn how to play in that way. Uh, you know, maybe Walter Smith and David Moyes aren't the guys that you would point to as, as people who would be uh, formative in terms of your coaching career. But to play for five years under Wenger, and regardless of what people think about Wenger now, players love working with him. They love it. Nobody ever says a bad word about him. Nobody who plays for him on a regular basis, I should say, has anything bad to say about him. And seems to think that what he does is 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 uh, is exceptional in terms of how he treats people. And Guardiola is very different. Obviously, he's a, a very deep thinker. He demands a lot from his players. He's very exacting. And if Arteta can take those two. Uh, uh qualities or those you know the experiences from those two men and kind of mesh them into his own way of how he thinks about football and apply them to a coaching career then fuck maybe it could be a good thing who knows in the absence of anything else or anything more uh uh obvious i'd be i'd be happy enough to give that a go just because it would be something different and interesting and we'd be able to see if it works or not who knows you know, I think we're going to have to accept that, you know, when Wenger goes, there could be a bit of hit and miss about what we do. This coach might not work, and that coach might not work. It might take a while to find the right guy. So mm. why not give him a go and see what he can do? And if he's the right guy straight away, fine. If
0: he's not, move on, next guy. Well, it would be a big gamble, but I think anything's going to be post-Wenger, as you've alluded yeah. to there. Yeah. Um, let's have another question speaking about the future this is from Ollie who's at Ollie in motion on Twitter mm-hmm. and Ollie says uh, after Saturday's game is it not clear that Wilshire deserves a new contract with the club if anything just as an asset um, yeah, I mean, this was something we talked about on the
1: Arscast on Friday with Rory Smith, that the idea that you couldn't sell Jack Wilshere for a good few million quid, regardless of of how well he's been playing, is, is a ridiculous one. I think uh, Wenger talked about wanting to be able to see he could uh, cope with the demands physically. And obviously, he's got to stay fit. He's got to stay fit. Um, but I think he's done his chances in the last couple of weeks some good. You know, he is even if he's not going to be a starter week in week out i think jack wilshire as a squad player is a very good squad player like ask yourself you know i think we've got to, we've got work to do in central midfield right i don't think the players we have are good enough i don't i don't think the system is right but you know let's assume that a new manager at some point comes in and uh, and sorts all that out we still need an improvement of quality in central midfield but would you prefer as your backup squad player or a guy who's going to come in and play 20 games a season and some cook games and all that, would you prefer Jack Wilshire or would you prefer Elneny or Coquelin? And that's yeah. not to be disrespectful to those two guys. I just know what I would prefer and it would be Jack Wilshire.
0: I mean, yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I'll be honest. I hold my hands up. I didn't think Jack Wilshire would be able to stay fit as long as he has this season. Um, And maybe that's not a foolish thing of me to say because he did it at Bournemouth for the majority of the season. He picked up that big injury um, in the spring, but until that he was largely available. But I did not foresee him, you know, we're talking about a week in which he's played two 90-minute Premier League games. I I did not foresee that happening. Um, And obviously, look, we don't know how he's come through it. We don't know. This is a really testing period for him this Christmas period because there's game after game after game and he's not had to do that yet he's been playing you know one game a week max but yeah I, I guess there is what you know give him a deal give him a deal because if you decide you don't want him at least you recoup some money Um the problem is we're now at a point in time where that's not necessarily in his interests if he decides I want to go and play every week somewhere he might as well sit sit it out, you know, yeah. and go for nothing. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's what Finger said. In fairness, he did talk about that. He said, "Is you know, Jack has to be happy to stay here as well. And I think he, that the fact that he said that a couple of times makes me think that maybe Wilshire is thinking I could go somewhere and I could be more important somewhere else than I'm going to be at Arsenal. But if it were up to me, I would... I think, you know, I'd err on the side of keeping him at this point, you know, not to be the guy who's going to be the panacea to all all our midfield problems, not to be the guy who's going to come in and make everything better, but as a guy who's got quality and who could be a really good squad player and be competitive, who could make midfield competitive, right? Yeah. Because midfield is not competitive right now.
0: No, and I think that he does offer you a, a legitimately different option. And I think that, you know, we're seeing his value now that Ramsey's out. And I, I didn't think it would go this way. I probably would have sanctioned the sale of Jack Wilshire last summer, but um, yeah. So I hold my hands up in that respect. And I think I would probably would look to keep him. I'd certainly be in more of a hurry to offer him a deal than some of the other central midfielders that you mentioned. So, mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. Okay. Here's a here's a question from Ross Arbuthnot, who's uh, I probably mispronounced that Ross. Very sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. But he says, he's at Rosso 3589. He says, how do we stop Liverpool? I feel we need to adapt a similar approach to Chelsea away, but can't see Wenger playing this way at home.
0: It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, they are kind of the nightmare team, (laughs) with the exception of Manchester City. They are kind of a nightmare team for us potentially because they've got so much pace and so much ability to capitalise on any error. Uh, It just feels like their confidence is flowing through them going forward at the moment and the attacking talent they have is something to envy. Um, How do we stop them? I think we do probably have to be a bit more conservative, especially because I don't think we look like we could take them on, you know, in a shootout at the moment. We're just not good enough going mm. forward to go toe-to-toe with them and say well you score three and we'll score four I don't think we've got that in our locker right now but do you not think we've got the
1: players capable of doing that in the sense that we've got we've got Ozil we've got Lacazette we've got uh, Alexis that maybe he yeah. will view these uh, these attacking talents as the best way to to negate Liverpool in a way that like let's face it defensively they're not great either like both teams are uh, stronger from an attacking point of view than they are from a defensive point of view. The the issue that we have obviously is a we're not scoring a lot at the moment, and b Liverpool are and they've got the best player in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's the, that is a is big issue. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, do, I suppose, but you know, uh, as good as Meza Ursel's been in recent weeks, I don't. I don't feel like our front three look like they're about to take on Liverpool's and and win. However, I didn't feel like that necessarily right on the eve of the Spurs game. Well, that's it, yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah.
0: If they turn up, if it clicks, it's possible. I mean, one thing I would say is I feel like we are, we will go into that game with a back four. I think... Do you think? I think the the change has been made.
1: I, yeah, I have a just, I'm just, I was just thinking about it and I was just thinking that with Mustafi back... I do wonder if we might go for the back 3 against Liverpool because because of the the, the need to be a bit more defensively secure. Do you? Mm. I, I
0: mean that option is there. That option is Because there. I mean the same team just,
1: the, the same team that he put out against Spurs I think he might put out against uh Liverpool. Well, obviously without Ramsey. Do. Is how you how you replace Ramsey, but
0: uh yeah. I suppose that option is available. I would. I wonder if you go, if you put Mustafi in alongside Kashelny and you go with. Mm,
1: maybe, yeah, actual, I'd be all right with A left as back, well. a left back.
0: Yeah, could be. Could be. Um, yeah. And I, mean- I do like the idea of if, you know, if you do have to replace Ramsey, I know Wilsh has been doing okay, but I'm intrigued by this idea of, you know, do you put. Ainsley Maitland-Niles into your central midfield for that game, just to give you someone with that recovery pace. Yeah, I know? mean,
1: it does feel like he would be, uh, in terms of the players that we've got in the squad, he does look like perhaps the most uh, Ramsey like-for-like player that we have. And of course, that's bearing in mind that we're, we're ascribing qualities and um, abilities to Maitland-Niles that we're basing off, you know, some Euro- Europa League games and two games in the Premier League. I, you know, I don't want to sort of hype this kid up to be the answer to midfield either but just in terms of what he can do and how he can do it maybe that maybe that would be the way I mean the issue is like if you go to a back three then you you weaken yourself in midfield yeah you've got that too which is not you know without Ramsey um, it doesn't always function Ramsey and Xhaka but um, Wenger seems to have some trust in that I don't think he trusts what Xhaka plus anyone else that would be my thinking on that Um, so I don't know. I think, I think we've just got to try and do in terms of the performance and in terms of how we play, in terms of how we press and in terms of how we put pressure on the opponent, we've got to try and do something similar to what we did against Spurs.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that option hopefully will be available. Is Mustafi, is he due to be back? Well, he's back in training. He was back in
1: training and, uh, uh, before the, the Newcastle game, but wasn't risked. Right, I can't see him playing in the uh, the Carabao Cup, so he should no. be back in contention at least. Um, but yeah, I
0: think it will be holding in Chambers in the Carabao. Mm, I think
1: probably wherever, like Holding's not even making the bench in the Premier League. It's uh, I know, yeah, it's remarkable, really. Yeah, sure is. Um, should we have another question? Yeah, go on. Let's have a couple of quick ones to finish off.
0: Okay, Uh, quick one, quick one, quick one, quick one. All right, Uh, this is from Limaro Fipama on Twitter, Uh, and Limaro says, hindsight is a great thing, but we really should have sold Sanchez, shouldn't we? Should we? Not really a quick one, is it? (laughs) It's not really a quick one.
1: Look, um if we were going to sell sanchez we should have sold him early in the summer and then used the money to get a replacement as soon as you made the deci- the decision to hold on to him then you've got to you've got to go with it you've got to ride that out um like he hasn't been great but then that's true of many others i don't think he's been you know i don't i don't understand the need to uh start hating on Alexis Sanchez because he isn't scoring as many goals as he did last season. I just don't Mm. quite get it. Um, He's frustrating as a player, but he's always been frustrating. He's wasteful, but he's always been wasteful. And it's because he's in the last year of his contract that the perception or the, 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 uh, the, what would you say? People's willingness to put up with those things has changed as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you were, if you were clever, yeah, you sell him last summer, uh he could have gone into Manchester City, fucked things up completely <laughs> by playing the way he is at the moment. And uh yeah, look, I don't I don't even see the point of of this discussion really at this point. We made the decision. We have to live with the decision. You know, if we'd sold him it would have been same old Arsenal, you're selling your best player, can't hold on to anyone. You're not willing to sacrifice money for for football or for football reasons. And we did that this time. We sacrificed money, a lot of money, I'm sure, for a decision or, you know, for, for a player who we thought could still make a contribution to us uh, on the pitch. Mm. It Hasn't gone quite as well as we would have liked, but then that's true of this season in general, right? And I don't think mm. all our problems are down to Alexis Sanchez not scoring. I just don't think that's the case. Um, so I don't, I don't see him. He's become a bit of a lightning rod in
0: terms of criticism and everything else. But yeah, I mean, look, Meza Ernzel's not playing like it, being in the final year of his contract is a problem. I would say, mm. uh, and so it's fair to assume that Alexis might have produced in the same way. And if he was playing anything close to like he was last, like he was last season none of us would be questioning the decision. It was a gamble from Ostervenger. It seems to be paying off as far as Ozil goes. Uh, Less so. Less so with Sanchez. Mm. By the way, I I should say that all all evening on Twitter, I've seen people saying that they expected an announcement about Mesut Ozil's contract. Yeah, what's going on there?
1: No, I just saw Uh, some people mentioning it on Twitter. What's happening?
0: Well, it's Sunday night. I think what happened was, uh, well, first of all, it's Sunday night and everyone's (laughs) a bit of a loose end. But I also think... um, Arsenal put out a tweet saying something like, it's a wet afternoon in North London, so let us brighten up your Sunday. And everyone thought, hang on, they're going to give us some good news here. And it transpired that they then were just tweeting Ozil's best goals for Arsenal, little video clips of Ozil's best goals. But even that was sort of fuel for the fire. Mm. People were like, wow, this is going somewhere. You know, if they're celebrating Ozil so publicly, they must have something good to tell us evidently. But uh, they could be just.
1: Is... it could be just after cheap retweets as well.
0: Well, could be. <laughs> <laughs> and what I will say is, if uh, yeah, if there is going to be some good news, I doubt it's going to be on a Sunday evening. That would be an unusual yeah, time. Yeah,
1: that would be strange. That would be strange. Okay, final question. Uh, this comes from Ah fuck. Ah, oh, why <laughs> did I do this? That's an unusual name. <laughs> ah fuck, yeah, Ah fuck O'Toole. He's from uh, County Offaly. Now, this comes from. Sayahidil? Sayahideru. Ah, I've got that really wrong, but it's on Facebook. And I apologise for mangling your name, uh, but it's difficult for me to look at, uh, especially after this <laughs> glass of wine. It was a big glass of wine. He says, as, as much as I hate to witness it, if Man City does the unthinkable and becomes the new Invincibles, how would you feel as an Arsenal fan? Would you congratulate them?
0: Congratulate them? I mean, I'm not really in the habit of congratulating... Anybody on winning the title that's not us. Mm. I, uh, I would feel sad, actually. Look, I think, you know, for a club who hasn't won the European Cup, that is a really special and unique achievement. It's mm. something quite extraordinary. I was even a bit annoyed when Celtic... You know, beat the British record or whatever it was for unbeaten games. I know that it's Scottish football and they lost that actually this uh, today, this very weekend. But sixty nine, sixty nine undefeated. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Delighted, they must be delighted that it scans so well. The yes. that they lost, but I, uh, yeah, I would, I would feel really gutted, and it's something that sort of makes Arsene Wenger unique, that makes that team unique, and obviously the achievement will still stand, whatever happens. But I'd love it to remain as kind of special as it does. I will be honest and say, I think I don't think I've ever feared a team might emulate that feat, like mm. I do with this Man City team yeah I think that's fair um I,
1: I obviously would prefer that they didn't uh it, it would be annoying um i I mean we always have the uh well, we did it first rebuttal
0: of course you know course. yeah yeah,
1: of course you did it, but you know we did it ages ago, and we did it yeah you know, you know, it um yeah, I would prefer that they didn't would i congratulate them no. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not into being magnanimous in that way. I so. think they'll be
0: okay with that. To uh, be yeah, honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. do it, <laughs> I don't. I
1: don't think that will. Uh,
0: do it. I don't think Pep's waiting for our call. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a great achievement, but we did not get a call from the Arscast. It was. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> very nice accent. Yeah, thanks I very mean, much. Look- We've still to play them, you know, uh, yep. on our own. Exactly. It, it's it's very much in our hands, guys. You yeah. know, we've just all we got to do is beat Man City. It should be straightforward. When is that game, I wonder? I'm just going to look it up now. That's uh, a great yeah, shout because it's, you know, it, it might feel pretty significant, not in terms of the league table. That that shit will have been long since sailed. But yeah, that's done. That, <laughs> that's done. February, yeah. February
1: 24th.
0: Hmm. <laughs> February I think that 24th. might move. It's currently scheduled for 3 p.m. on the 24th. But yeah, um, that might move, mightn't it? It might move. But yeah, look, you know, if somebody goes through a whole season
1: unbeaten, you kind of have to, in some way. Duff your cap to that because, you know, it's so rare and so unbelievably difficult. And you've got to have all those things come together, right? You've got to have the uh, the quality. You've got to have those bits of luck along the way. But like you say, we've got a chance to make sure that it doesn't happen at our place. So, yeah, let's let's uh, I, I would prefer that we put an end to it than they did it, obviously. So um, oh,
0: and what a thing it would be to be the team who beats them you know that would be great
1: Alexis Sanchez own goal gives Arsenal a 1-0 win how about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah horrible feeling he might still be playing for us but you still score the own goal (laughs) oh no let's not go
1: there All right. well look we're going to leave it there Uh, it's a strange week this week we play on Friday night we play Tuesday obviously in the Carabao Cup we play Friday night against Liverpool so I'll be here later in the week we'll have a podcast with the Mug Smasher talking about Liverpool and all that kind of crack and uh, I don't know what's going to happen next week because next monday is christmas day so we won't be doing a we won't be doing a podcast on christmas day Um, Um, and we don't play on boxing day which is unusual no we we play on the the 28th i think Mm. so what if what if we do one on but then we play on the 30th as well Anyway, maybe we should chat. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. out. We'll, we'll get something together <laughs> at some point. Send in your suggestions, <laughs> guys. <laughs> it's either the 26th or the 27th, James. One yeah, or the other. Okay. Or the 29th. Lovely. Or the 30th. Okay. We're playing the 30th. There's no point. Uh, but yeah, we, we will figure that out off air, and we'll have a podcast for you at some point during that week. Um, until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.